Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. If you are a longtime listener to the Integrative Thoughts podcast, you know how often I stress the importance of detoxification. I believe that heavy metals such as mercury and aluminum, along with environmental pollutants like mold, plastics, and pesticides, are at the root cause of every dysfunction and chronic illness in the modern era. That's why I recommend ZeoCharge. ZeoCharge is 100% natural zeolite that does not contain any fillers, binders, or additives. ZeoCharge has not been shown to bind to any of your beneficial minerals or other nutrients. I take two tablespoons of ZeoCharge with filtered water every single day about an hour after breakfast. It is my go-to for detoxification support that I believe can assist any and every healing protocol on the market. If you would like to try out ZeoCharge, go to the link in my show notes and use code ITP for 10% off your entire order. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like Bioptimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Buy Optimizers and use code INTEGRATIVETHOUGHTS10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product, Mag Breakthrough. Today's show is also brought to you by Valence Nutraceuticals. Yes, this is the supplement company that I started with a few partners. Absolutely having an amazing time with it. Can't wait to bring some of the most superior mineral and vitamin supplements on the market to you. One product that I want to highlight today is Zinc Matrix Pro. Now, this is a zinc blend with five of our favorite forms in there. We have zinc carnosine in there, zinc orotate, zinc methionine sulfate, zinc picolinate, and also zinc glycinate. Now, this is going to have superior bioavailability and works systemically throughout the body. When we're reading hair tissue mineral analysis charts, one of the most common deficiencies that we see, or maybe the most common, is a zinc deficiency. People need so much zinc in order to detoxify nowadays and to balance out the body. So if you want to try out our Zinc Matrix Pro or any of our other products over at Valence Nutraceuticals, click the link in the show notes and use code ITP20 and that'll get you 20% off your first order. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I have struggled with mold toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, chronic infections such as Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, and even Babesia. After spending about $100,000 on functional labs, protocols, fringe supplements, coffee enemas, and even biohacking devices, I finally found mineral balancing. 
This has been the most effective protocol that I have found to address chronic issues. This is a specific program using hair tissue mineral analysis in order to reverse engineer the entire mineral system all at once and detoxify the body of hidden infections, mold, and heavy metals. If you would like to schedule a consultation with me to design you a program, I have officially opened my books to take on mineral balancing clients. Click the link in the show notes under work with me to find out more. Today's guest is a good buddy. His name is Thaddeus Owen. He is one of the OG biohackers within the biohacking space, if you want to call it that. And he loves to talk about your light environment. I mean, he's read so much science. He's so knowledgeable. We get into all things circadian rhythm, sunlight, what bulbs to use, blue light blocking glasses that you can use, why they're beneficial, the dangers of artificial light at night. And then we get into grounding as well because it kind of ties right into the light environment and the circadian rhythm and whether or not you should even use these grounding technologies indoors. And we both agree that you should. I sleep on a grounding mat. I'm on a grounding mat right now in my office under my feet. I feel better when I do that. I think it's very beneficial. So we get into that. And then Thaddeus's book, called the hibernation diet, which focuses around cyclical diets, whether or not you're getting UV light within your area. So me being down in Tampa, Florida, I'm able to tolerate more carbs in the winter just because I'm getting the UV light and there would be more things that are grown down here just naturally. Now he lives in Wisconsin, so there's not as much carbohydrates being grown in the winter. So he goes onto a ketogenic diet in the winter and then he cycles within the spring and the summer to eat more carbohydrates. It just makes sense, right? And then also he talks about cold exposure and how to cold adapt when you're in those colder climates as well. And I just think he's a wealth of knowledge. You guys are really going to enjoy this show with Thaddeus Owen. Thaddeus, long time no see, brother. How you doing? I am awesome. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. I, um, funny uh we're gonna be t- some of the things we're gonna be talking about today but when i got um you know you know, our buddy yoni and david green they invited me down to your mastermind last year and you know i've i've known about you know light hacking and blue light blockers and everything for quite some time but when i showed up there i'd probably never seen anyone take it quite as serious as you guys in that household i mean it was no matter what was going on, it was like, we're taking a break. We're going to watch uh, sunset. You guys were up for sunrise. Like after sunset, no matter what was going on, like we were doing uh, yoga and different practices all under the red light. Everyone had their blue light blockers on. I was like, okay, these guys are dedicated. I, I dig it. And um, I remember David saying you'd been like um, biohacking, like as long as Dave Asprey has. So why don't you tell us like kind of your background and what got you interested in all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And it was awesome. You got to come to the mastermind. So every year we do uh, an entrepreneurial mastermind in Florida. And that's part of the the light hacking, biohacking that I've learned. So I've had a lot of mentors along the way, but I got into the space. Gosh, it, it's been a long time. So way back in about 1999 is when I first started learning about these things. And there was a book written and published in 99 called Lights Out by T.S. Wiley. And she talks all about blue light, light at night, sleeping more in the winter, and some of these concepts that, you know, Dave Asprey and Jack Cruz and others have talked about over the years, but they've never referenced her as a a resource. So I reference her a lot because I I know for sure they've read her book, and that's what got them onto their path. So I read that book, and I actually 
started learning about nutrition back at the same time. So I, I went vegetarian and then vegan back in 1999 to my detriment, uh, come to find out uh, two years <laughs> later when I had to switch back. Um, but that was kind of my first foray is like, hey, there's something that we're not being told about the food that we're being served, the processed food and the, the food in the grocery store. And that opened my eyes to start looking more deeply into everything we're being told on the news and with our own health specifically. That's where my my main interest was. So I learned like, oh, there's these confined feeding animal operations and they're feeding cows grains to the point where they'll be sick and die if they keep being fed grains for another two months, but they harvest them right before that just so they can gain a bunch of fat. That was my impetus to turn vegetarian originally. And what I later learned is I can source local meats from a farmer that I know that are raised naturally and humanely. And in fact, I decided way back in 2000 that when when I would stop being a vegetarian, I was going to raise and butcher every animal that I was going to eat to make sure that I was part of the process, that I knew what it took to process that animal, that I could spiritually be involved in that sort of thing, and that it met my needs. And that was kind of my promise to myself. And I have raised just about, I mean, I haven't raised a fish and eaten it, but I've caught a fish in a stream, but I've raised every animal from a pig to a chicken to a cow uh, myself and processed those animals and started eating them as meat only after I raised them myself. And so now I'm obviously many years later, um, I eat a much different diet than a vegetarian diet, although I might be vegetarian for a short period of time in the summer, which is all about what I've learned in biohacking. You don't want to be doing the same consistent diet forever. So way back when I had these questions and I started experimenting on myself, and that's really what biohacking is about. It's about looking within yourself, looking at your environment inside and all around you, the external and internal environment and changing them to create optimal health for you. Everyone has similar biology. We're all diurnal. We sleep at night and we need to be awake during the day. But beyond some of those similarities, a lot of our biochemistry and our histories and even some of the traumas we're exposed to are very different so that we need to do self-experimentation. So I, I was doing that on myself, but I still had a lot of issues. I had anxiety. I had insomnia. And I found this niche called biohacking originally through Dave Asprey, through his podcast back in 2009. And I started studying these concepts of biohacking more deeply in 09 and then studied with Dave to become a, at the time, it's not called this anymore, but it was a certified bulletproof coach back in 2015. I was the first class to go through that. And then I started teaching. So basically, I wanted to give back. I cured my own anxiety. I cured my own insomnia. I was extremely healthy for, at the time, a 40-year-old. Now I'm about a year away from being 50. Um, so I found like there were really interesting things that people just didn't know about. And I wanted to give back. So I started teaching back in 2015. Yeah, that's awesome. That's crazy that you were in one of uh, Dave Asprey's first groups there. Um, I think I came around to someone sent me. It was the most bizarre thing. Like I had kind of just been lifting and, you know, taking creatine and protein shakes, multivitamin type of thing. Few few random supplements at GNC throughout my life. And um, someone sent me this um, podcast. It was Ben Greenfield was on Joe Rogan. And this, this, this yogi guy that I know was like, I think you'd enjoy this podcast. And then from there, I was like, well, I wonder if like Ben Greenfield has any other like information on the, uh, you know, on the internet. 
Come to find out, he's got like obviously one of the OGs. He's got like 8 million podcasts out. He's got a million blogs. And I was just like, my mind was kind of shattered. I was like, how could all like us people know so much about like technologies and diets and foods and like how they work in the body and how like every little bite of food you take and basically is going to turn into every cell in your body. And it's all part of a function and part of your system that you need. And it's funny. I was, um, when I got introduced to that, I was, I had done the same thing. I kind of was getting sober. I was, you know, addicted to a bunch of stuff in my twenties and was kind of trying to get out of that and started to do, um, a vegetarian for a while. I was like, okay, you know, I'm watching the documentaries, I'm getting hooked. And you know, they, the vegetarians will tell you that your body will make everything that you don't get from food and creatine and all the likes. And so then I then I go vegan because then I'm like, okay, if you want to really go to the next level, you got to even cut out eggs and cheese. Like you got to take it there, you know, so I'm all in, but I'm listening to Ben Greenfield at the same time. And he's all on, he's eating grass fed steaks. And I was on Tim Ferriss's podcast and Tim Ferriss is big into regenerative agriculture as well. So then once I started realizing kind of the same thing as you, like, oh, you can actually, you know, get a shipment of white oak pastures to your door, no matter where you live. If you're, there's not a, even if I like, I live in the city of Tampa. And then now that I know there's even a more few local farms that do regenerative as well. So even though I still like white oaks, I can go to other places as well, get my eggs and my dairy. So had the same kind of full circle moment as far as, um, food goes. And I thought the same thing. I was like, how is there so much information out here? Like real science, not just like people experimenting in the biohacking sphere or whatever you want to call it nowadays, kind of a played out term in my opinion, but I guess there's really no better term at the moment. Um, and there's just was so much that I was like, I feel like people need to hear more about this. And that's one of the reasons I started the show. Cause I was kind of just playing around with a bunch of this stuff at my house and listening to podcasts and buying different hacks. And people would see it on my Instagram stories. Like, what is this guy doing? He used to be an alcoholic and now he's sitting in infrared saunas and doing cold plunges and shit. So pretty funny that you got introduced that. What did that, um, first kind of like biohacking coaching, um, group look like with Dave? Yeah, it was. So I was at, like in the very first coaching program and it was sold to us. Like we're going to take a hundred people We'll never do this again. You'll be the only bulletproof coaches in the world forever. We're never going to run another group. So this was like, you know, 2014, the emails went out. 2015, we all show up and we we didn't get a whole lot of information. It's like coaching under Dave Asprey, right? So we're like, we're going to be learning biohacking. We're going to be like doing all these biohacks and experiments. We're, we're meeting for a whole week uh, at this conference center at a hotel in California, so 150 of us show up. They allowed 150 in. There was a huge interest. And these are like the OGs of biohacking and like people that are ready to like learn the deep biohacking secrets and to teach others. So this was a group of like, there were actors, there were actresses, there were like people that were just like, everyone I talked to seemed to not work because they just had all this money and they, from like wherever, it's the stock market and they like retired at age 30 or whatever. There was just like some crazy individuals that were part of this group. And all of us showed up in like sweatpants and track suits at the hotel for the first day. And Dave shows up and he says like, Hey, you know, welcome everyone, blah, blah. And he's like, you probably don't know what you're going to be getting yourself into here, but I'm not going to be teaching you for this whole like first couple days. I'm going to turn you over to Dr. Mark. And uh, we basically spent two full days in a conference room with complete strangers. We've never met doing zero what you would consider, you know, biohacking externally. We did inner biohacking, um, which is really like, 
you're right, Matt. There's not a good term. Like biohacking is sort of overplayed. Some people don't resonate with the term. There needs to be something better. And it's kind of like in my mind, I'm going with like health freedom, health ownership, like you're taking control of your own health and not outsourcing it to experts. Well, we spent two full days. None of us knew each other beforehand out of 150 people. And we had to talk about our emotions to each other one-on-one mm. for two full days. And it was kind of what mm. I call inner biohacking. Like we were working on the inner emotional stuff. And that's really one of the most important things you can do in biohacking before you buy all the external gadgets. That's what we did for two days. Dave came in and trained us for a little bit longer. And then we spent nine months with the other coaches from that program talking to each other once a week on the phone for nine months, teaching each other, training each other, coaching each other, and then learning skills, both in biohacking, nutrition, but a lot of the inner emotional work. So that's what helped me cure my anxiety and insomnia, which I was like talking to CEOs and other people at like really high levels. And they're like, had just as many problems as I did, which I, I never had suspected that that was true. And so many people at every level of the place where we live need help, but nobody wants to ask for it, or at least very few people ask. So my main goal is like, oh my God, if this is true, how can we support more people with getting this information, which the, the mainstream media, frankly, is not putting out there? Like we knew about LED lights and blue lights and light at night in the early 90s, but the head of the National Institute of Health, like our government organization, the head of the unit studying circadian rhythmicity, this is like light and dark cycles and when we're supposed to sleep and how our hormones are actually produced based on light. The head of the unit studying that said, like, quote, Americans deserve to know that not getting enough sleep and keeping the lights on all night lead to heart disease, cancer, diabetes, obesity, infertility, and more. They deserve to know this, but no one will ever turn the lights out. So we're not going to tell them. So it's like, We've known this stuff for so long. My goal and and my wife's goal through our company, Primal Hacker, is like we want to teach people. So when I started learning from Dave and learning from these other coaches, I was able to actually cure, like cure. I'm not a doctor, but I cured my anxiety and I cured my insomnia by learning these things that are kept out of the mainstream media. So my goal was like, how do we bring this information to everybody? Like we have to open up this door. And biohacking might not be the right term, but it's like it's the term that's being used for this niche right now of these people bringing this kind of future information because a lot of the science that's put into the literature isn't introduced into the public in a usable way for 30 years after it hits the literature. And we want to bring a lot of the science to light now. Yeah, that's awesome. It's super funny they had you talking about uh, emotions and stuff. It's probably... I would think in the biohacking sphere, one of the more overlooked, you know, pieces of the puzzle, obviously I worked through mine, um, clearly with psychedelic, you know, experiences and that helped me quite a bit. And then I've, you know, I've done different therapies and coaching and we've done, my wife and I've done couple coach, couples coaching and just, you know, all sorts of talk therapy in different ways, but the psychedelics really helped me. And it's, I, I remember actually being at your, um, mastermind and I wasn't even really part of it, but I ended up being included in a little like men's group. So it looks like you've kind of uh, taken that emotional piece and brought it into even some of your um, retreats or whatever you want to call that entrepreneurial kind of mastermind thing. Cause we kind of were all just like expressing our, how we grew up and uh, some emotions and there was like a mixed bag of everybody in there and uh, everybody kind of opened up and we were given hugs. And I think that is a really big, uh, you don't have to use psychedelics 
psychedelics, but you do need to speak about what you need, what's going on. And with this um, unnatural society, I think everybody's got some little bit of at least anxiety or something like I didn't, I used to think anxiety was for like weak people. I used to just like work out being younger. Like my brother had anxiety. I'm like, dude, just like work out, like quit drinking and you know, just like whatever, get laid. I don't know something like I thought it was like basic fix. Right. And then then I got uh, really sick and had Lyme and had, you know, a bunch of heavy metal exposures. And I'm like, I had anxiety like every day and I'm like, couldn't sleep. I'm like, okay, so maybe this shit's a little real. But a lot of people don't have the, the chronic conditions. They just have like lack of community, lack of people that they can reach out to. You know, not everybody had all the, um, you know, mercury exposure and the things that I had. There's just like some people just need to get a little something off of their chest and then they need to kind of make this unnatural setting that we're in, even this podcast right now is very unnatural and do something like, you know, like the grounding, like the sunlight, like the things that we're going to get into to kind of get themselves back into a rhythm because the sleep being effective is just, you know, I've done multiple shows on sleep and it's just crazy how much like you no know, sleep just affects everything. And it makes total sense why I probably had the um, exposures that I had because I used to just party and stay up all night, never cared about sleep. I, I used to just sleep with the TV on until I was probably like 28. Like I just grew up sleeping with the TV blaring and I just carried that on until basically until I got with my wife now and she's like, why do you like fucking go to sleep with the TV on? Like that's crazy. And I'm like, I don't know. I just have, I've always done it. And it's like, now I look at that and like, we don't, we haven't had a TV in our bedroom in like seven years. It's just crazy how much like that's just so disruptive. And I think a lot of Americans are just going to bed almost every night watching Netflix and looking at their phone and never doing anything. So, um, what are some ways, I guess, um, I guess let's get into the harmful lights. Like what are the harmful lights, the LEDs, the phones, the blue lights, what, what lights specifically are harmful to people? Yeah, I, I, have definitely deep expertise on that. And I want I will share that in a sec. I wanted to to just comment on the TV at night because I mean, this is very common. It's it seems to be to me what I find is like really common for for men to go to sleep with the TV on all the time. And for women, if they aren't with a partner, they'll have the TV on during the day and at night. And to me, like this is our basic lack of community in the the kind of modern world that we've created for ourselves. Like we created this place where we isolate ourselves in these like little boxes, apartments, houses, you know, whatever it is. And we look at our phones and we watch TV and like that's our community. We we don't do much else. We're, we go to work nowadays and we interface with a, a computer screen. We don't interface with our colleagues. Like I, I grew up in the early, you know, 1980s and 90s. So when I first started working in my life, it was the 90s and we didn't have these computers. So I had to like go to the library at work and pick up a book. I worked in pharmaceuticals for 10 years and I had to like look up these pharmaceutical reactions and then ask a colleague, like, I don't understand how this works. Can you explain? And face to face, we would work through some of the issues. Nowadays, you just type it into the computer, no matter what, whether you're looking for a reference or you're looking for someone to explain something, you go to YouTube, you go wherever. We don't interact anymore with, with each other as a, as a group, as a tribe. And so part of what I study is, again, like, like you said, the biohacking name, it, it's kind of, it's kind of polarizing and I like to see myself and what we do as a, as a group, my wife and I, is we teach people the natural, quote unquote, natural biohacks. Like how do we get back to nature and how nature designed our biology 
and utilize those natural biohacks or natural ways of living to keep us optimally healthy. We don't want to be average. Nobody wants to be average, but that's what you're sold when you go to the doctor. It's like average, you know, cholesterol is this, you need to be within that range. Well, average vitamin B is this, but if you hit the average for vitamin B, that might not make you healthy. It just might make you average, which the average person takes however many medications, they're not sleeping at night, they end up having heart disease and they die early. Like you don't want to be average. So when we talk about light, that's one of like the main things. And one of the first things that I studied, and I always love to to talk about my mentors because I didn't learn it all on my own. I learned it first through a little tiny bit through Dave Asprey, but then through Dr. Jack Cruz at a really deep level, a quantum physical, like quantum physics. Like we went through this whole rabbit hole. I had Stag and ask my wife, I had like stacks, like foot high stacks of studies on the side of my bed for years. And I would just read through and, and really develop an understanding of the science of light and how it interacts with our biology. So like the light, we're all exposed to these natural lights outdoors. And there's a cycle, circadian rhythm cycle, which there's a light and a dark cycle of the earth. And our biology is tuned into that light and dark cycle. So you can imagine there's like an owl or a rat and they're nocturnal animals. Well, why are they nocturnal? It's like their biology awakens when it becomes dark and they're tuned into those dark cycles to upregulate their hormones and their physiology to be active and alert at night to process food, metabolize food at night. We, on the other hand, should be asleep during the dark. That's how our biology is tuned and how it was originally created. We can't change that regardless of people that call themselves night owls. What they're doing is increasing cortisol at the wrong time of day and messing up their hormones, which will be an issue much later in the in their life. So as we expose ourselves in these, what I call like little boxes, our, our artificial boxes to man-made light, that man-made light has a true biological toll. That man-made light is read by our body as information. Remember, all light is information. So we talk about like, EMF, electromagnetic fields and microwave radiation, your cell phone receives a text that's a photo from your friend or your mom or whoever invisibly through the air. Like we all know that there's this invisible information that our cell phone can render into a photo. It reads the information and it creates a process in your phone to do something. We are the same way. We are reading this light information and we're creating physiology in our body. We're creating physical substances in relation to the light that we see. And when we see the wrong type of light, we have deregulated a lot of processes in our body that keep us healthy. So that's a lot of what I've studied. And we can go into like some details on like what actually happens and how that works. But ultimately, when we removed ourselves from nature, we created an environment that was not built for our health. This indoor environment with it, with the lighting that we have was built so that corporations can make more money by having people work second and third shift. That was the origination of lighting and why it exists all over the planet is so that we can conduct business 24 seven and not so that we can have optimal health for our biology. Yeah, I totally agree. I had a brother-in-law, um, my wife's sister's husband, um, he was working third shift for a while and he's like hating it. And I was like telling her, I'm like, he, he's got to get off of that shift. Like there's other jobs. The same job has three different shifts. Like he's got to figure out some way to get on like first, at least second shift is like 
maybe you can get to bed by midnight or something like that. You know, by the time you get home, if you go straight to sleep, but even that's still disruptive because you're probably in the light until about 11 PM or whatever it is for your job. But, um, it makes total sense that any person that I've ever heard, I think when my brother first, um, started being on medications for anxiety, he was working third shift. No one had the, had the nerve to say, Hey, well, maybe you just, you're literally awake when you're supposed to be asleep and all of your hormones are dysregulated. And then now you're just, you're clearly having symptoms from that. And I mean, there are light bulbs though, that we can use that are a tad bit better than like the LEDs and stuff that we have in our house though. Correct. Right. So, um, I can tell you some bulbs that are really useful for light at night. So here's the whole deal. Like when you talk about people working third shift, there's a lot of people that work third shift, healthcare workers, especially, but certainly like other people have third shift jobs and, most people don't know this, but the World Health Organization, whatever you think of the World Health Organization, good or bad, <laughs> um, they have a, a research wing called IARC, the International Agency for the Research on Cancer. And like anything that you've been told is carcinogenic, benzene, asbestos, lead, whatever it is. The reason it's called carcinogenic is because IARC has deemed it a carcinogen based on all the studies that they have reviewed and said this substance is carcinogenic. Light at night. So there's an acronym called ALAN, A-L-A-N, artificial light at night. ALAN is considered a human carcinogen by the World Health Organization. You can look this up. Anyone can go to WHO, you know, and look up the IARC definition for light at night or third shift work. It is truly listed as a probable human carcinogen. And I believe that's the same category as like lead and asbestos. So people say like, oh, there's is there any evidence that working at night is harmful? There's a lot. And in fact, the National Institute of Health in the U.S. had a symposium in 2016 that I was invited to, not to speak, but to listen to. And in 2016, they had something like 50 presenters from around the world, all at the university level with peer-reviewed published data on artificial light at night and its impact on our biology. So the issue is that we have blue light receptors in our eye and that blue light receptor called melanopsin reads the blue frequency of light from any light at night. And through all of human history, we would have seen firelight and moonlight at night. And neither one of those has enough blue light in it to trip the melanopsin receptor. So what happens is when we see firelight or moonlight or darkness after sunset, the melanopsin reads that as no blue, and it starts to produce melatonin, which is our master anti-cancer hormone, our master antioxidant. It determines what we're hungry for. Like, are you super hungry for sugar? That's because of the light at night you're exposed to in the winter. Are you hungry for fat and protein? That's because you're getting the right type of light in the winter, and your body sets its appetite and its hormone sequence for the time of the year and the time of the day based on the light that it reads. So when we lit up our homes with artificial lights, your cell phones, your laptops, your tablets, your television, the artificial lights in your refrigerator, and just the overhead lights in your home, all have high spikes of blue frequencies of light, high enough to trip the melanopsin and to shut off your melatonin production for up to four hours. You can lose up to 80% of your melatonin in one night. And that's the thing keeping you free of cancer and trying to prevent you from getting heart disease, cancer, diabetes, diabetes, and obesity, in addition to infertility. 
and setting what you're hungry for the next day, you're shutting that off by seeing these artificial lights at night. But as the head of the NIH said, nobody's going to turn off the lights. So what do you do? So that's where we talk about appropriate lighting for night. So, you know, just as a, another aside, like my wife and I created a course that we can talk about later, um, Biohacking 101. And in that course, like we teach people all of these things about the light and about how to tune your house to your appropriate biological frequencies. So there are better lights at night. And so there's, you know, like best, better, good, not good. And so if you look at what's the best, the best light at night that you could possibly use is no light after sunset, because that is what your biology is tuned to. So then the next best is firelight. So no one's going to keep all the, well, I wouldn't say no one. There are some people I know that keep all the lights off at night and just never use any. The other thing to use would be firelight. So candles or like lamps. Could you do that? I did it for a while. It's not super convenient um, and it's hard to manage. So then the next best, other than firelight, firelight will stop about 2% of your melatonin. That's not much. It's fine. You can use it. The next best light at night would be red light. So red light has been shown not to stop melatonin production. So you could light up your home with red light, which is our personal strategy. So our lighting strategy for night for optimal health is only to use red lights at night. Not everyone's going to do it. A lot of people are doing it now. They do it for the sea turtles. They do it for the birds at night. The American Medical Association in 2017 published a paper like American Medical Association is not on the forefront of science, let me tell you. But the American Medical Association in 2017 published a warning letter, a warning letter that said, stop putting these bright LED lights in our street lights because they are affecting the plant species, the animal species, and they will harm human health. So even the American Medical Association says LED lights at night harm human health. And that doesn't mean that any LED is bad because I'm using red LEDs. It's just my LEDs have no blue in them. So you can take another step. You can get low blue lights. So you can go to different websites, Shielded Shop, I think, through Brian Hoyer. He's just um, a guy that I know that sells them. There's uh, lowbluelights.com, I think, where you can buy like lower blue lights. And then if you don't care about EMF, Philips makes a light called Hue that is Wi-Fi connected, and it will dial in the level of blue light based on the time of day or night. Finally, you can use incandescent lights, if you can still find them. Um, they have less blue light, more red and infrared, which is the antidote to blue, but they still <coughs> have been shown in clinical studies, incandescent lights, to reduce melatonin by 40% overnight. So are you willing to lose 40% of your melatonin, almost 50% in a night? I'm not. Um, I want to protect myself against cancer. So your lighting strategy for night becomes very important. There's some other nuances like is the light overhead or is it a lamp down low? That impacts how much melatonin is blocked or destroyed, surprisingly, whether it's above or below your line of sight. Um, and then there's other strategies where like, I know you know this, Matt, but you can literally purchase a, a pair of blue light blocking glasses and all your lights could be the same. You could still look at your phone, your television, your overhead lights. But if you're wearing blue light blocking glasses, you're blocking the blue frequency of light. That is what these melanopsin receptors read. 
I know it's a lot of information. No, it's all all good. So when it comes to the bulbs, obviously you can, you know, if you go to sauna space or something, they have like a hundred dollar bulb or they have like a $10 bulb, right? So does it really matter on the quality or overall just, you know, getting the place red just going to be the most beneficial part of all that? And, you know, some people are going to be able to, okay, I'll buy the $100 bulb. Some people might be like, well, I'll just, I'll take the $10 bulb if that'll work. Does it matter on the quality of the bulbs? I know there's flicker and stuff involved in some of them as well, but overall, if someone's just trying to do the basics, could they just get the $10 bulb, put it in a lamp and then cut out the lights? Definitely. Um, that's the easiest strategy is like uh, using some red bulbs. Now, um, there's, there's as you mentioned, all different price points. And quality does matter, but there are bulbs that are less than $10 that are as high a quality as any other bulb. I'll tell you what they are right now. So um, when you look for a bulb, you do want low flicker because your brain, even though your eye doesn't pick up flicker from a bulb, your brain does. And that's why a lot of people working in corporations in an office environment, get migraine headaches because the fluorescent bulbs are flickering at a rate that their eye doesn't pick up, but their brain does, and it causes high stress. So it would be beneficial to use low flicker or the lowest flicker bulb you can buy. So number one, you can literally buy like what they call a party bulb. So it's a red film over an incandescent bulb. And it creates red light. It filters out the blue. Those cost like two dollars. Um, you can probably buy a pack of them for twelve bucks. You might you might have to go to like a foreign website nowadays because they kind of have banned those <laughs> in the U.S. Unfortunately, but you can go to AliExpress and you can you can buy some um, you know basically no flicker. So an incandescent bulb will not flicker. They're really cheap. Get a red film. Get one with a red film over it called a party bulb. And you're good to go. You could get an LED red bulb on Amazon. It's called Sunlight, S-U-N-L-I-T-E, Sunlight Red Bulb. It's 660 nanometer red light for those of you that know the wavelengths and what they mean, but it's pure red light. It is almost no flicker. Those are what I use in my house are some of the Sunlight Red LED bulbs. They might be $9 each. So higher quality is better, but you do not have to pay more than 10 bucks for a bulb to get a high quality bulb. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. You know, a lot of people listening to the show will spend a thousand. A lot of other people, you know, might be on a budget. Inflation's kind of crazy. And they're like, okay, I can get a bulb for nine bucks. Even if I just get one, put it next to the bed, cut off the TV, and that might be just beneficial for them. Uh, Let's go to the glasses. Do you have um, a favorite pair of the uh, blue light blocking glasses? Also, like uh, how long before bed do you recommend people putting on the glasses? Give us the details on the glasses. Right. So there's... This is where the National Institute of Health, our our own federal government in the U.S., has done a number of studies on artificial light at night and its its harm on human health. So as they're trying to figure out, like, what do we do about this? There's been a number of researchers, mostly from RPI. It's in Albany, New York. It's called Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. They have published a number of studies um, that Harvard University has also picked up on wearing glasses that can block blue light after sunset. So they've done studies measuring blood and saliva cortisol. So it's your stress hormone. When we see blue light at night, your stress hormone goes up and your melatonin is destroyed. And that's what you don't want. You don't want to go to bed stressed and you don't want to go to bed destroying the thing that's going to clean your body up and rejuvenate it overnight. So they said, well, these glasses, they were originally safety glasses made for working with different lasers. And they're like, these glasses block blue light. What if we had people wear these glasses? They And they look, the original versions of these, if you've ever seen like 
a blue blockers commercial from the 1980s. If you're you know my age, like 48, 49, or, or a little older, you've seen them. If you're younger, you'd have to go to YouTube and look up blue blockers videos from the 80s. But these things block blue light. And so the universities were saying, well, what if we block the blue light, block these receptors from seeing blue? Will it allow your melatonin to be produced and stop cortisol from being jacked? And they worked. So these clinical studies showed significant increase in melatonin versus people that didn't wear the glasses. So now there are companies that make blue light blocking glasses. And yes, I have a favorite pair and I've got basically two favorite pairs right now. There's a number of companies that make them and the prices range all over the board. You can get a pair of blue light blocking glasses for $2 on Amazon. In order to get that price, you have to buy 13 of them. Cost you 26 bucks for 13 pairs of glasses. Um, they're basically DeWalt laser glasses. They look like safety glasses. They're not slick. You're not going to want to wear them out. You could wear them at home and, and get enough for your whole family for 20 bucks. Um, but they work. They definitively work. So I have a spectrometer. It's a device that measures whether blue light is coming through, measures every spectrum of light um, within a, a visible frequency. So I measured that these $2 glasses are just as effective as $250 pair of glasses. So number one, what do I like? I like best whatever you are going to purchase and wear because it makes such a big impact on your health. So I gave a TED talk on blue light blocking glasses because of how it impacted my health and sleep. It's massively important. And if you're not sure if it's going to work for you, buy a pair off Amazon for two bucks. If you want to just buy one pair, I think they're like, $12, $13 for the Skyper blue light blocking safety glasses. You can get one pair for 13 bucks. See how they work for you over two weeks. I guarantee you, you're going to feel better wearing these glasses and you're going to be sleepier at night when you try to go to bed. Your mind isn't going to be racing as much. Now, what do I wear? So I've been in the space a long time and I created my own pair of blue light blocking glasses and I used to sell them. I don't anymore. But so I have like my own pair of blue light blocking glasses that I created myself. These are the ones that I wear all the time. And I like, basically I like the style. I wear them every day since 2009. I've never missed a night of wearing my blue light blocking glasses because of the impact on my sleep and health. So I bring these everywhere. I wear them when I go out to dinner. I wear them everywhere at night and no one has ever ask me why I'm wearing sunglasses at night. The only questions I ever get are, can I try those on? Are those blue light blocking glasses? And so I share them. Now, since you can't buy these because I created them and I don't sell them anymore, the ones that I like the best, and I have tried all these myself, I've tried every pair of blue light blockers on the market. I used to have 500 pairs of blue light blocking glasses. They used to be sent to me for free every single week. So I've tried them all because I used to be a really big influencer on Instagram and Facebook. So people would just send me stuff right now. Raw optics, RA, like the sun God optics. They make like a sustainably harvested ebony frame, blue light blocking pair of glasses that look amazing. I love the feel and they have these little magnetics on them. So you can put a daytime lens, a nighttime lens, and then like a red lens. Sorry. Um, that was Viva rays. <laughs> <laughs> so Viva rays are the ones that do the ebony frames and the, um, my wife had to come tell me I said the wrong, the wrong name. So, so the two that I like right now are, are raw optics, which don't have the uh, magnetic frames, but they have red lenses. So they block blue and green light. Some people, as we age, 
becomes sensitive not just to blue, but to green light as well. And the raw optics block the blue and the green. They're very expensive, as are the Viva rays. The Viva rays are the ones that I wear in place of my own. So I have raw optics, I have my own, and I have Viva rays. Those are the three brands that I've kept that I use all the time. Um, so I like those the best. They are the most expensive. The ones that I produced were the least expensive because I wanted people to be able to afford them. Um, so mine were always priced at like $40. But can you get glasses cheaper than $250 from Viva Rays or Raw Optics? 100%. You can get the ones on Amazon for you know $15, $20. Or you can go to Swanee's. So James Swanwick created a company called Swanee's, one of the first, maybe the first blue light blocking company in the world in the biohacking space. And his glasses are usually like $60 or $80. Bond Charge, you know, bondcharge.com or whatever, also does glasses at the $100 range. All of them are good and they're all pretty much equivalent in the light they block. It's really what type of frames you want for your face. Yeah, that was great. Great. Uh, gave a wide spectrum of price range there. The first ones that I had were probably like the ones you were talking about. I think they were UVX or something. I was like, I'm just going to get a really cheap pair and just see if it does anything. And like, you'd wear those things for like an hour and you'd be like, I'm ready for bed. Like I was like, these things that my wife would always take like Snapchat videos of me and these fucking construction glasses sitting around on the couch or whatever, but it was super funny. And then, then I bought the raw optics. I mean, Matt is just a wealth of knowledge from over there at raw optics. I need to have him on a show one day. Um, he, those are great. And he talks about the flicker aspect as well, which I, I don't know if other, um, glasses block flicker or not, but I know that the raw optics definitely do. So if anybody, um, wanted to get one that does both. I definitely know the raw optics does that for sure. And um, let's get into, obviously, we're talking about all the nighttime tips and getting to bed and wearing the glasses, but I, I know you're big on optimal sunlight in the morning. So what's what's sunlight in the morning doing to set up your circadian rhythm and what's the best time to get out there? Yeah. So remember, like the main thing that we teach through all of our platform is natural biohacks and the things that you can do for free without having to buy anything is what you probably want to do first. And most people, once you do the free biohacks and you start optimizing your biology, now all the things that you're buying, like supplements or glasses, they're going to be more effective. When you've got all this chaos in your body, Buying a supplement, you're like, I don't know if it worked. I don't know what's happening. So you got to do the natural stuff first and kind of clean out all the junk. And now when you buy a supplement or you put on glasses or whatever it is you do, it's going to be more effective and you will notice whether it's really, truly working for you than when you've got all the chaos going on. So the natural thing to do for our biology is to set your circadian rhythm. So in 2017, the Nobel Prize in Medicine was given to these researchers who studied the impact of circadian rhythm on our health. And the impact was so massive, and it surprised the medical community that circadian rhythm had such a big impact on making us healthy that they awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine to this group of researchers. And what they found is that if you get outside first thing in the morning and expose your eyes to the sun, and that doesn't mean look directly at the sun. That's called sun gazing. It's a different practice. It takes some, some nuance. But basically, no glasses, no sunglasses, and no contacts. Get yourself outside and allow your eyes to take in the light. I mean, if you're looking opposite from the sun, it's behind you. You're still getting sun in your eye or you wouldn't be able to see it. It would be dark. So just by being outside, whether you can see the sun or not, you are setting your circadian rhythm, which is going to give you better sleep at night 
and it is programming. Remember, we have this biology that's programmed by light. Through our eye, the light enters and it tells the brain how to set up your hormones for the day based on the light that it's reading. Your brain knows the time of year and it knows the time of day. And it will take that information from the light outdoors to set all of your hormones, your thyroid hormone, your serotonin, your melatonin. It starts programming those things first thing in the morning. So that is so critical that you get outside and it's free. And I don't care if you're driving to work, roll your window down or open your sunroof. If you're sitting in your home, open a window and look through the screen. You're going to get natural light. You cannot do it through a window. It does not work. It is not the same light through a window as it is through an open window or outside. If you're in an office, get yourself outside. People used to take smoke breaks like 10 times a day. Take a light break (laughs) for two minutes, like literally just two minutes. So what's the optimal time? The optimal time is at sunrise. That is literally the number one best time to get outside and allow the light to enter your eye and receive your wireless instructions from nature for the day. There's a whole bunch of mystical uh, technology. There's a bunch of mystical textbook references to why this happens at sunrise. And there's a whole bunch of even Christian mystics that get outside at dawn to get the information from the sun. So at dawn means within 30 minutes of sunrise. Sunrise is a different time all year. Most people don't know that because they're not up. But if you get up and you look for the sun, it's not the same time. Every day it changes, every single day, except for three days in, in December where it stands still. So that means go to your favorite search engine, type in sunrise and your city. It'll tell you what time the sun rises. So like, let's say right now for me, it's 7.30 in the morning. So I want to be outside between 7.30 and 8. Does that mean I'm outside for the whole half hour? Nope. It just means between 7.30 and 8 a.m. I get outside for a minimum of two minutes. Now it is five degrees below zero today. So, and I'm on a podcast this morning and I was in a meeting at 6 a.m. So that means I was outside for about five minutes today at dawn, but I was outside between 7.30 and 8, that half hour between the time the sun rose and right after. That is the optimal time to be outside. And it has so much benefit that like, if you didn't do anything, like the two things I would pick from all the stuff I know is like, be outside at dawn every day for the rest of your life and wear blue light blocking glasses at night. Those are like the two key pieces of advice I would give anybody. Yeah. And there's like, there's uh, mornings where like, if I have to be somewhere, like I just like roll down the window, right? Like I live in Florida, so it's pretty easy to snag some sunlight wherever you need it. But you know, it might be a little cold to do that in your commute in Wisconsin. But, um, you know, if you can just get even that window down on your commute and just let a little sun in, you know, five minutes, you, you'll be, impressed by just like your mood elevation how much more energy you have even from five two to five minutes it's crazy like i I can walk to the mailbox and just stand out there for a minute and then come back in and do some work and feel like a completely different person so it's crazy how we have all these artificial lights and then we just get kind of stuck and we never see the sunlight and so we're just like i think our hormones and our brain our body are just kind of stuck in this steady state of basically confusion because it's just like artificial light, sun up to sun down. And it, you would be surprised how many people in Florida don't get sunlight. Like I preach this, like, like you live in Florida 
even when it's cold, it's like 45, 50 degrees. Like you can literally just put on something like this, go out there, get it in your eyes and you won't even be uncomfortable. So I obviously I'm from Michigan. So I know the difficulties of trying to get out there like you guys do, which is impressive. Um, you know, during a snowstorm or during it being zero degrees, I was, you know, lived in that for like 30 years. So I understand that, but the, the people in Florida who don't get sunlight, like people, like you walk by people, they're like, oh, you're so tan. I'm like, I'm not naturally tan. I'm like Northern European genetics. I just live in Florida. So I go out there for like, they think I just sunbathe out there all day. I'm like, I just go out there for like 10 minutes. It's Florida. It's super easy to catch a light tan. If you just go out there for like 10 minutes a day, it's, it's actually absurd how many people don't catch sunlight. Even living in Florida, we're just so, I think we're like overworked. We're kind of burnt out you know, bad diet. So we're kind of just barely skating by just because the inputs that we put in, whether it be, you know, no supplements and mineral deficiencies, you know, poor diets where we you only have the basic energy to get, you know, we're not meant to work 50, 60 hours a week, but we do it. So we're, you know, what hitting the vape, drinking the, you know, Starbucks at 4 PM or whatever to power through it. And then I just don't think we have the energy to do some of this stuff, but you know, the sunlight in the morning, it's super basic, it's free, and then it's going to set you up for your melatonin production at night. And then if you could just even buy a little $10 red bulb, you would notice how much your energy would shift just from that, in my opinion. And that would cost you 10 bucks total. For sure. And, and I, I like to tell people too, like, there's two key pieces about sunlight. One is like, don't forget, no sunglasses, glasses, or contacts, because every one of your sunglasses, glasses, and contact have been designed to block ultraviolet light. And they also block 50%, 50% of the red and infrared, but they let in 100% of the blue light. Blue light's not bad. It's just bad at night. And it's bad during the day only because we live indoors and all of our devices have super high spikes of blue. And then you put on glasses, contacts, and sunglasses. You let in all the blue when you're outside, but none of the antidote to blue, which is red and infrared. The sunlight has, has its own antidote in it. Secondly, when you get outside in the morning, like Matt, you said you're tan, right? You're not burnt. So when I get sunlight through my eyes in the morning, it creates a solar callus that allows me to absorb more ultraviolet light during the afternoon. What most people don't know is at dawn, there's no ultraviolet light coming into the earth. So the sun always has ultraviolet light coming off it, but it can't penetrate the earth or our atmosphere in the morning. So in the morning, when you are outside getting sunlight, there's no UV, none. That's really important. So your body is absorbing infrared, red, plus it's getting the solar callus that tells your mitochondria and the cells of your body to be ready to absorb more ultraviolet later in the day. Why is that good? Ultraviolet creates vitamin D. It's actually a hormone created through our skin from light. We also create um, nitric oxide through UVA. There's three forms of ultraviolet, A, B, and C. A creates nitric oxide, which helps with heart health and cardiovascular health. Vitamin D or hormone D has like tons of benefits. Like you can name them. They probably go on pages after pages after pages of why you need high vitamin D status. So you get more vitamin D, more nitric oxide, and more health from the sun by getting out at dawn. Lastly, when you get out at lunchtime to like get a tan, when the ultraviolet is present, people get sunburned. Why? 
It's because they're wearing sunglasses. Why is that a problem? Because just like we have blue light receptors in our eye, we have receptors for ultraviolet light in our eye. But all of our sunglasses that we're told we have to wear block ultraviolet light. So when you block ultraviolet light from hitting your eye, your brain doesn't think there is any. So it hits your skin and it burns it because it's not prepared to absorb it for your health. It is shocked that it's getting all this ultraviolet light on the skin because it didn't read any through the eye. So don't put your sunglasses. If you wear sunglasses because you're sensitive to the light, you can overcome that by getting sunrise sunlight. Your eyes will be less sensitive over time. Trust me, people with blue eyes who get morning sunlight no longer have to wear sunglasses ever. Todd Shipman, who I know you know, is my best case example where Todd came to me and he's like, my eyes are too sensitive. I can't do the things you tell me. And I'm like, get out every single day at dawn. He did. What happened? He no longer has to wear sunglasses. He lost 45 pounds. So it can help you lose weight. Like it's a big deal. But when you get out during the bright sunlight hours, when there is UV, don't wear sunglasses, at least for the first few minutes. So your eyes tell your body that there's ultraviolet. It produces melanin, which captures the UV light for health benefits. There's anti-tumor compounds in there too, not just vitamin D. But when you're wearing the sunglasses, you lose a lot of those benefits and people get burned faster when they wear sunglasses than if they take them off. Yeah, that's funny. Todd's actually another guy who's dedicated to uh, circadian biology, I would say. He's one of the, you know, maybe that's from, you know, whatever you told him back in the day. But um, I see him and talk to him. He's big on, you know, he's out there in the morning for sure. I don't know how if he's blue light blocking and stuff at night, but he's for sure out there in the morning all the time, no matter where he's at. And I think he's pretty big on his circadian biology for sure. Yeah, the sunglasses is a big thing. Everyone in Florida, they just throw out sunglasses on the whole time. And I gave them up a long time ago and I still will get burnt and I will use like some tallow sunscreen or something. I just, you know, with Northern European genetics and living in Florida and it's summertime and you're trying to hit the beach for the day, like I'll get cooked out of the, out there, no matter what kind of callus I've built up. I just, I don't think it's natural for me to sit out at the beach for four or five hours. I don't think I would have ever been exposed to that with my genetics. So, uh, you know, my wife, she's half Mexican. She's, you know, gets a perfect tan, never needs sunscreen, might put it on her face here and there so she doesn't get wrinkled but I have to still use some, some zinc oxide type of tallow, you know, <clears throat> sunscreen, uh, if I'm out there just cause I'm not really in natural habitat at all. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about that I think you probably, I would imagine you use, I don't know if you've talked about this before, but I've been using it for like at least six years and I never talked about it on the show. Do you like programs like Iris for the computer? I have, I've had that on my computer forever and it seems to make a tremendous difference. Yeah, so Iris, um, absolutely, Matt. I, I'm using it right now. Um, I was one of the first users of Iris. So, and I can't remember the gentleman's name who created it. He was from like Denmark or somewhere overseas. And we were, we were working with him, my ex business partner and I to, to put it on our computers. And I'm one of the, the fortunate few that paid $2 for Iris for a lifetime membership forever. I never have to pay again. I've had it since it was created. Um, and so now people are like, oh, I have to pay like two bucks a month for Iris. I don't know what it is now, what the price is, but honestly, I paid $2. Oh, they pay monthly? I think they do. Yeah. I paid like 15 bucks, I think, and I've had it forever. Good. So maybe there's a, a lifetime <clears throat> version you can get now for 15. I hope there is um, because it is extremely useful. So there's there's two programs I know of. Ultimately, there ends up being four that are, have been created for this um, specifically. So Iris, I think, is the best program, hands down. I run it on my phone. I run it on my laptops. And what it does is 
you it reads like where you are geographically. And remember, like the sun sets here in Wisconsin at a different time than it sets in Florida. It sets a different time here in Wisconsin than it sets in France. So where you are geographically determines your circadian rhythm. That's why like telling people to go to bed at the same time every night and get the same amount of sleep every night is actually not good advice. It's likely we should be sleeping more in the winter and less in the summer. Like maybe I only need five hours of sleep in the summer, but I need nine or 10 in the winter. That might be optimal, not eight hours a night, every night, no matter what. So beyond that, Iris, it takes out at a certain time of night, the blue frequency of light from your computer screens, your your devices. So that high blue light that's hitting your eye, remember right now I'm staring into a screen. I've got a high spike of blue light hitting my eye. There's almost no red and infrared from this screen. I'm sitting in front of five windows, but the windows block 50% of the red and infrared, the antidote to blue, but it lets in all the blue. So I'm getting high blue light from the window, high blue light from the screen. That creates free radicals in the eyes and leads to macular degeneration. So we're going to have this huge macular degeneration generation of kids looking at devices their whole lives. So what Iris does is during the day, it dials down the high frequency of blue light. So your eyes don't get these crazy amounts of free radical damage to them. At night, it dials even more of the blue light out of the screen so you don't destroy your melatonin. So again, it costs a little bit of money to buy Iris, but by far, it's the most user-friendly and easiest of the blue light blocking apps. There's another one called Flux, F-L-U-X. It's free. It's, it works. It's not as good as Iris. Um, I do use it on like, I don't know, like I've got some spare phones that I'll like put Instagram on because I don't want Instagram on my personal phone that I carry around with me. I don't like to be tracked everywhere. Um, so I have like burner phones that I put social media <laughs> apps on um, that has Flux on it. Then Android or Google and Apple know about this. Like they know blue light's bad for you and they know their devices contribute to this. So Apple has night shift. So if you have an Apple device, you go into your settings, you enable night shift, it'll dial out the blue light after sunset. And if you have an Android, I can't remember what the name of it is on, on Android or the Google or the um, IBM type products, Windows products, but there's the same feature called like night something, night mode. I think it's night mode. You can enable night mode and it'll dial out most of the blue light after dark. But again, I love Iris just because Iris is probably the best program and you can set the level of blue light that you remove from, you know, not very much to remove all the blue light and your screen shows up red. It's kind of neat. Yeah, I have the, I think you can like on iPhone, you can, I, I've done it so long ago, I can't remember, but in the settings somewhere you can get it where I just click the side button like three times and the, the whole thing goes red. So once it starts to get nighttime and I don't want any more blue light, I'll just turn the phone to red in case I need to check it for anything. And then in the daytime, I use the iris when I'm staring at screens all day and reading, reading reports or doing podcasts and things like that. And, um, seems to work pretty good as well. Um, as far as, um, I think we've touched a decent amount enough on light. I know another big thing for circadian biology that you're into is grounding. So what are the benefits of, uh, grounding and why is that important when you're out there getting the morning sunlight? Yeah. And I'll just say like what Matt was talking about on the red screen. So if you have an iPhone, um, you can turn your screen red at night. And a lot of people do this literally just go to YouTube, um, and type in like how to turn my iPhone screen red. It's a few steps. And then like Matt said, once you set it up, 
it takes about a minute or less, you can click that button three times and it'll go red. For those of you that really care about circadian rhythm, I highly recommend you do that. Um, I don't have an iPhone, but that's what I would do if I had one. So grounding, this is uh, becoming a huge topic. And here's the, the thing is like, most of us don't realize this, but we are insulated all the time. We wear rubber-soled shoes, which insulate us from the ground, from the earth. We live in homes that have wood floors and like, oh, wood is grounding. Well, a live tree is grounded, but not dead wood in your house. Oh, I've got tile floor, not grounded. There's vapor barriers under there that don't allow you to ground. So anytime you're in your home, your workplace, your car, or you're outdoors because we're told to cover ourselves up outdoors, unlike any other animal or plant in all of nature, none of them cover themselves up and none of them disconnect from the ground. Every plant and animal is connected to the ground except us. So we're insulated. Well, why is that a problem? It's a problem because we have inundated our world with non-optional frequencies that build up inflammation. Inflammation leads to dis-ease in the body. We've loaded up our world with frequencies from Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, cell phones, military communications, radar, sonar, radio waves, television waves, and more. These things move through our body so many times every second. So it's actually 10 quintillion times more radiation moving through our body every second. 10 quintillion is 10 with 18 zeros after it. So since 1950, we are now receiving 10 quintillion times more radiation through our bodies than ever before. That radiation creates positive charge in the body, which is inflammation. So we're becoming inflamed. And you can see like people have more ADHD, people have more insomnia, people have more anxiety. And there's a lot of issues contributing to that. A lot of it is inflammation. When you get inflammation in the body, whatever you're predisposed to, some people are predisposed to eye issues. Some people are predisposed to colon cancer. Some people are predisposed to heart disease. When you're inflamed, you push your body towards that state of dis-ease whatever it is for you. So it shows up differently for everyone. It's hard to pinpoint what the issue is. Now, if you take your shoes off and you go outside barefoot, your feet, like why, we always wonder, like, why do my hands and feet sweat? Like, what's the purpose of that? One of the purposes of your feet having moisture is that it allows you to conduct electricity more easily. So when we're barefoot on the ground, we are connected to the largest source of negative charge. Remember, inflammation is positive charge in the body. The ground is negative. What is attracted to negative? Positive. So if we want the inflammation to flow out of our body into the earth, where the earth will alchemize it to something beneficial, we stand barefoot on the ground. It's called earthing. It's called grounding. We are absorbing free negative charge from the ground, those are called electrons. And if anyone knows about the mitochondria in the body, the mitochondria have many functions. One of them is to produce energy, and it produces energy through electrons, not through food. You eat food, it breaks down fat, protein, and carbs to electrons, and it sends an electron through the mitochondria. It's called the electron transport chain. Standing barefoot on the ground gives you free electrons without eating any food. 
You're not going to get all your electrons you need for the day for all your energy, but you can get a significant amount of electrons from the sun and the earth by standing barefoot. So what are you doing? There's only been about 15 published grounding studies in the literature. So there's not a ton of people interested in grounding because it's free and you can't necessarily profit off of it. Now, there are grounding products for the indoors, which I do use. But um, what do the studies say when you ground? Inflammation is massively reduced. Pain, chronic and acute pain, massively reduced within five minutes of grounding. They're also showing that you can heal faster, like from any kind of a wound, a surgery, whatever it is, healing accelerates. And this inflammation, this process that sets up dis-ease in our body is massively reduced. So to me, like if you're missing out on the benefits of literally something that's free by taking your shoes off outside, you need to kind of get into this practice. Pardon the interruption. I want to take a quick break to talk about gut health. With all the research coming out over the last decade, we know exactly how important the gut microbiome actually is for our overall health. If you're anything like me, then you have struggled with tons and tons of gut issues. I grew up on a lot of different antibiotics. As I got older, I did a lot of partying, drugs, alcohol, standard American diet, yada, yada, yada. Fast forward, I had chronic mold toxicity in line. After that, I really couldn't get my gut to function properly. I spent tons and tons of money on different kefirs, yogurts, probiotics, different things that really didn't seem to work. That is until I found Just Thrive. It's a 100% spore-based probiotic that arrives 100% alive in your gut for maximum impact. It has a thousand times better survivability versus other leading probiotics. It helps support digestive, immune, and total body health. For me, it really helped to beat bloating, gas, constipation, and diarrhea. And it is even clinically proven to address leaky gut in just 30 days. So what I do is I take two caps with my largest meal and it really helps to improve nutrient absorption as well. And they are backed by a 100% money back guarantee. So for if any reason it doesn't work for you, no questions asked, you can get a refund. If you wanna try out Just Thrive Spore-Based Probiotics, go over to Just Thrive Health and use code ITP15 for 15% off at the checkout. If you're anything like me in the health and optimization space, you're not only looking for which supplements may make you feel optimal, but also different technologies. The problem with most technologies on the market is they can really burn a hole in your pocket. If you are looking for the most affordable, but yet yet highly effective technologies to help promote detoxification, better sleep, mitochondria function, immune function, look no further than Therasage. I have their portable infrared sauna and I am willing to put that sauna against any other sauna on the market. It heats up quickly. I get an amazing sweat. I've been in some of these really, really expensive saunas and I prefer my Therasage sauna. The new addition that I have in my home is the Therasage PEMF mat. This is a game changer. A lot of people who are dealing with chronic illness and autoimmune conditions could really benefit for at home PEMF. When you're trying to do PEMF out at a clinic, it can charge like 30, 60, sometimes $100 per session. Therasage has just dropped the most affordable PEMF mat on the market. You can use it daily. It has a TENS mat. It has red light. It's a heating pad. My wife is absolutely obsessed with this thing. It has just brought more energy, mental clarity, and all around overall well-being. I 
gave up my morning meditation recently and just started laying on the PEMF mat. It's such a great addition to have that with the sauna. The PEMF will help you to release a lot of the toxins and then you can sweat those out via the sauna and you will just feel rejuvenated. So if you wanna try out any of the Therasage products, you can use the code Kaufman10. I will link to their website in the show notes. They have the most amazing affordable technology biohacks on the planet. Yeah, I totally agree. And obviously, you know, kind of keep it practical for the people that are free. I think anybody can find a piece of ground somewhere and just get their feet into um, some grass or some kind of dirt, whatever it may be that's by you. Um, You touched on one thing I wanted to ask you about is I didn't, you know, there's so much back and forth around the grounding products. You know, I've had them forever. I think that they work great i have ultimate longevity the clint ober uh products but there's plenty of them out there i know mito life has a grounding sheet i mean there's a bunch of good products i'm sure you can find do you have any issues with like the um dirty electricity or uh, some of the arguments around grounding products i do have both of mine um, i have one under my desk that i'm on right now and then one on my bed um i do have them both plugged into a green wave filter what's your um, opinion around the dirty electricity and the grounding products yeah. So uh, what happens is when you when you want to be grounded because you learn all the benefits, most people want to be grounded all the time, like indoors, because we're insulated indoors. And this is where most people's Wi-Fi router is and their cell phone is turned on and their printer has Wi-Fi and their laptop and their television, their smart TV and their Alexa device. You're building up a ton of charge. So it's like, man, I want to be grounded <laughs> indoors. So there's two schools of thought around grounding indoors. And I have my own personal opinion. I, my desk is right here. I'm pointing to it. It's right in front of me. Um, I work a full-time corporate job. I'm a senior level manager in a corporation in addition to like teaching people about owning their own health. So I'm in front of a desk a lot reading like you are, Matt, reading research, but also, you know, leading global teams. And I've got a grounding mat on the floor under me and a grounding mat under my keyboard tray. So when my hand is on my mouse, my forearm is grounded. I also have a grounding mat on my bed. So um, I obviously believe in the grounding technology indoors. There is a school of thought that says if you're grounded indoors, the, it's a high EMF, electromagnetic frequency environment. There's a lot of EMF from dirty electricity, which just means the electricity in your wall um, is not a smooth wave. So electricity and all light, everything is light. So everything is energy. Everything is light. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not light. It's just light we can't see. Ultraviolet light. We can't see ultraviolet light, but we know it's light. So electricity is light. It's a wave. And it should be a smooth wave. It is manufactured at a a coal-fired power plant, let's say. It's sent through a line, a, a, a wired line, in a smooth frequency. It alternates. We have alternating current, not direct current. And as it alternates, it's pretty smooth, but it goes so far to reach our homes. And then it comes through all these crazy wirings that people do in their home to get to your electric outlet. And by the time it gets to the electric outlet, it's no longer smooth. So if you were to plug your laptop into that outlet, it would fry your laptop electronics because they're sensitive to non-smooth energy. And our bodies, I will tell you, are more finely tuned electrical instruments than your laptop. So if your laptop would fry when you plug it in, why doesn't it? Because it has this brick on it. Everyone has these bricks, whether you've got a you know Windows machine or an Apple, there's this big brick and it sends the electricity through that brick. It smooths out the wave and then it converts it to direct current from alternating current so it doesn't fry the electronics. 
The problem is those waves are felt by our body. Those invisible waves come out of the wall in about like three to four feet and reach our body, which is a finely tuned electrical instrument. It's no longer smooth because it by the time it reaches our outlet, it's not smooth and it starts to disrupt our, our biology. That's what's called dirty electricity. In addition, there's the EMF from the microwave radiation all around us affecting our body. When you step on a grounding pad, you become an antenna. All this dirty electricity, the electrical fields, the magnetic fields, and the microwave radiation is trying to find its way to ground. So when you step on a grounding pad indoors, you become the circuit, the signal. You become the antenna, and you absorb more of these frequencies through your body indoors on a grounding mat. So what the building biologists will tell you, building biologists test people's homes for dirty electricity and EMF and, and all this, and they teach you how to mitigate it. They say, don't ground indoors unless your home environment is almost free of EMF. Otherwise, you act as an antenna. I disagree with that. So Yes, you act as an antenna. You're going to absorb a little bit more radiation and dirty electricity through your body by acting as an antenna, but you're dumping it all into the ground. You're not holding on to it. Whereas if I don't step on the grounding pad indoors, I'm continuing to absorb all of that energy and create inflammation in my body that I never get rid of. I would rather stand on the grounding pad take on a little bit more energy by continuing to get rid of it through the grounding pad than to absorb that and absorb it and absorb it and then eventually create some sort of dis-ease in my body. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I There was a point where I was like, all right, well, I'm going to unplug my grounding mat on my bed, right? So I unplugged it and probably we didn't use it for probably like two or three months, right? And then finally one day I goes, okay, I'll buy some green wave filters because um, I didn't have those before. And I was like, I'll just plug it back in and see how I feel. And just the first night of sleeping back on that grounding mat, I felt awesome. I was like, there's no way that this can be that bad. Like I feel great. Like as soon as I lay on the bed, I instantly feel like a like a cloud come over me. Like I just feel good. I'm like, there's no way. And I woke up feeling more refreshed and just, you know, I think it's good for detoxification. And, you know, even if you are a person that goes to bed a little bit later, you know, there's some studies showing that it'll help uh, balance out the circadian rhythm. So definitely if you're like that shift worker we were talking about, uh, might want to try some melatonin supplementation maybe, and then do the grounding mat and see what that does for you. Um, just to try to hack that lifestyle that you're, you're in for now or in for, in for life, whatever it may be. But yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, I got caught up in that. Okay. Maybe I'm getting the dirty electricity and then once I tried it again, I was like, I don't care what, you know, well, they're reading papers, but I feel good and I'm just going to roll with it. So I'm glad you uh, kind of hashed that out because I kind of felt the same way. And there's certain people that uh, scare people away from the grounding products when they're feeling good on them, right? That was me. I was like, let me just do a little test here. And as soon as I plugged it back in, I'm like, no, we're on this for life. Like, I, I just feel so much better when I'm on it. I feel like just calm, relaxed. I'm like, there's no way that this can be that bad for me. So glad you agree with that. Um, when it comes to grounding outside, are there more appropriate like shoe wear we can wear? Do you like any specific brands? I've never bought any grounding shoes, but I know they're out there. Have you found any benefits with those? Yeah. So I love grounding shoes, but the problem is I haven't found great pairs of grounding shoes. So, um, <laughs> the key is like, you want to be grounded, but a lot of us are like, well, when am I going to take my shoes off? Right. So if you're like me, I work from home. It's awesome. I just, I go outside, take my shoes off. I've never sprayed my my yard with chemicals ever. 
It's fine. Some people get freaked out about chemicals. Like, oh my God, I think they put pesticides to grow the grass here. I, I'm not standing there. Well, you know what? I would rather ground in a pesticide lawn than not ground. I I get to choose like whether those pesticides are going to affect me. This is one of those inner biohacks is like our mind is so powerful that I'm more powerful than the pesticides that probably washed off with the last rain anyway. So where, where can you ground and what kind of grounding shoes could you buy? Number one, you can't ground on asphalt or plastic or um, wood unless it's a living tree. You can't ground on um, any kind of like a composite deck, rubber. There are grounding types of rubber, like those used in the grounding sheets, but most rubber, like the tires on your car and the treads on your shoes, the soles of your shoes are not conductive. They don't ground. So you can ground in grass, sand, water, natural bodies of water, metal, rocks, living trees, and cement. Those will all ground you. So if you're like, oh my God, all I can do is like take my shoes off in my driveway. My driveway is cement. Go for it. You'll be grounded. So other people like us, like when I go for a hike in the winter and it's five below, I can't hike barefoot, which I do in the summer, but I want to be grounded. So there's two ways to do it. Grounding shoes or grounding straps. So grounding shoes, they exist, but there's like, I haven't come across a good pair of grounding shoes except for like moccasins, like the old, like Native American, and I'm wearing them right now. So like these Native American moccasins have a leather sole and leather is conductive. So it will ground you. So you could, I do have a pair of dress shoes that were designed for me. Um, I got them for free. They're designed for me in uh, Greece and they put a leather sole like they used to do. Up until 1950, all of our shoes had leather soles. So they designed a leather sole in my dress shoe. They're like really high-end dress shoes. They have a leather sole. They're grounded. I love those, but they're not affordable for a lot of people. They're probably $350. So all the other shoes, like Zero Shoes, I like to wear Zero Shoes a lot. They're a US-based company. I like their stuff. They're barefoot shoes. They have a wide toe box so they don't narrow my feet and cause foot problems. They're not grounded. And I've asked the owner, Steven Sashin, I'm like, Steve, can you make the soles grounding? And he told me, we've been working on that for 10 years. And every time we try to put grounding technology in the soles of the shoe, they fall apart within like five months. So a lot of people that want to make grounded shoes, they can't find the technology to do it yet. So what I found is like, there's these static heel straps. They cost like less than 20 bucks on Amazon. Um, they're used in the microelectronics industry. So I, I did an internship one year in microelectronics and I had to wear these grounded heel straps in the microelectronic fabrication lab because when I would touch a, a printed circuit board, if I had static electricity or positive inflammation building up in my body and I touched the circuit board, it would fry the chips. So you had to ground yourself. Every single worker in the plant had to be grounded. And we did it by wearing these straps that went over, they're really small, and they just go over your heel of your shoe. And there's a little string that tucks into your sock so that it touches your body and it grounds you if you're on a grounded surface while wearing shoes. So for 10 or 20 bucks, you pick up one of these grounding straps. It's called like a static heel strap. You can find them on Amazon. And you can wear those in your shoes and be grounded 
if you wear them indoors, you won't be grounded. Like when I worked in microelectronics, they grounded the floor. Your home does not have a grounded floor. So if you want to be grounded with the grounding heel straps, you have to go outside and, and walk on natural uh, materials. And even while wearing shoes in the middle of winter, you will be grounded. That's awesome. Yeah. 20 bucks. So they can just turn into whatever, you know, whatever shoes you're hiking in. I, I had a pair of zeros. I like the, um, what's the other brand that I have now? Um, there's Vivo barefoot. My what's the one? Yeah. Vivos, the Vivos. I like, they're a little bit more stylish. You can kind of wear those. The zeros literally just look like you need to go to the gym in them or need to go hiking. So I don't like the designs as much, but I did get a, I noticed how far my toes have spread since I've wore those the last like maybe four years or whatever, since I, I still wear my other shoes sometimes if I'm out at dinner or whatever, my boots or whatever that look nice. But, you know, mostly, you know, that's only for a few hours and I come home and take them off. But I'm mostly like 24-7 in the barefoot shoes. And the way my toes are spread out are crazy. I can just look and there's so many more gaps in my toes. They used to just, I'm like, I didn't even realize they used to just be kind of crunched up. I mean, they didn't look crazy or anything but they just slowly start to spread out and you got you feel like what are we doing with like these dress shoes and stuff like that it's kind of insane the barefoot shoes are legit for sure um all right now i want to switch up topics here i you know i got this book um that you wrote um i seen it when i came down to the mastermind last year and i was like let me dig into this because we kind of had a mini discussion around like food and light and uh how we should be switching that and i've listened to I don't know if you know, uh, Dr. Pompa, he's a pretty big proponent on this like seasonal, like diet variation, you know, it's kind of similar to what you're talking about in the book. And so I guess let's start with, it's called the hibernation diet for anybody that wants to check it out. And, um, basically, uh, you're talking about how we've kind of skipped over winter. So I guess just in general, in the beginning, before we get into food and diet, well, how have we skipped winter and why do we have winter all wrong in general? Yeah, remember, um, our our bodies are tuned, our biology is tuned to nature. It's not tuned to the man-made um, environment indoors. So number one, our bodies are always preparing for a winter. This is what I like to say. is like we're preparing for a winter that never comes. So how how is that? You look at bears and squirrels, and they start gaining weight in the fall, massive weight gain in the fall, because they're preparing for this winter where they're going to have to survive off their fat stores. Humans do the same thing, men and women. So as men and women, when we see light start to decline, so from summer moving into fall, the light is declining. This is something we don't recognize when we're indoors. When we're indoors, when we have lights on, the frequency and wavelength of the light never changes. The strength of the light never changes. Outdoors, from dawn to dusk, the colors change the frequencies change, the wavelengths change, and the quantities change. And from summer to winter, the light also changes. And our body reads all of that. How like how are these animals' fur changing color? How do they know not to reproduce in the middle of winter when there's no food and they're hibernating? They know this by reading the light. So men and women are also supposed to read the light. That's why we have these receptors in our eyes, but we're keeping the lights on all the time and they never change. And the bright blue light, that intense blue light we talked about earlier, signals to the body that it is summer. And when it's summer, you should be hungry for sugar and carbs. When you're hungry for sugars and carbs and you eat them in excess, they're stored as fat. So our bodies are storing this fat and we're always hungry for this sugar and carbs because all through the winter, 
we keep the lights on. And our body thinks that winter is still coming. It never gets cold. We keep like what we call room temperature all year round. So the body thinks it's summer, prepare for winter. It's summer, prepare for winter. How do you prepare for winter? You put on fat and people have a lot of infertility these days. Why? Because you don't want to be fertile leading into the winter. That's when you don't want to have babies is in the middle of winter when there's less water and less food or you're hibernating. So we're getting these signals all wrong. Now, if you were to eat that type of diet in the summer, high carbohydrates, high sugar, and you put on some fat, your body starts to be insulin insensitive, which is the, the first marker of, of type 2 diabetes. What we're supposed to do then is hit winter, turn the lights out, sleep more, eat fat and protein, which the light would tell us that we're hungry for if we were seeing natural light and not man-made light. And we would reverse all of the things that happen in the summer. We would use our body fat and come out of the winter with less weight, with increased health because we massively spiked melatonin in the winter because it's darker. So there's more time during the day to produce melatonin. We cleaned up our body, cleaned up the cancer cells, and we come into the spring with like a true beach body without having like exercised and dieted. It's we just had to switch our way of eating. So in my opinion... I think we're designed to cyclically eat more carbs and sugars and fruits and vegetables in the summer and the fall and fats and proteins all winter to kind of reverse the process. And you get this like, not, I don't like to call it a feast famine because you're not, you're not starving yourself in the winter. You're just eating a different style of food. So in the summer, you're building, you're building muscle, you're building fat stores, you're building a business, you're building a shed outside because it's warm. If you're not in Florida, then it's obviously warmer in the summer than the winter. Um, and in the winter, especially in a northern climate, you're going to come indoors, you're going to do the spiritual work, you're going to produce more melatonin, you're not going to work outdoors, you're going to then rehab the inner environment of your body all winter because you broke it down all summer when the light cycles were longer. So that's my personal philosophy. And my wife and I have been kind of living this way for the last four years as an experiment. And it has been phenomenally successful in how we feel, how healthy I think we look, and how easy it is to maintain like the weight that we want. Yeah, so basically it sounds like in the winter you're doing more of a ketogenic diet, um, higher fat, higher protein, you know, not so many carbs. Which makes total sense, obviously, being in Wisconsin and not really having much. There's not much. Obviously, there's no crops. There's just winter. And then that you kind of spiked my interest with this at the Mastermind because I was like, um, you know, so I was like looking at your book and kind of skimming through it. And I was like, so do you think I should be ketogenic during the winter? And you told me no, because I live in Florida. So why don't you basically tell us like, so what would I do? Would I just still eat, uh, try to eat locally, eat whatever I can get at the farmer's market? Cause it seems like it's different because I'm absorbing the different, uh, UV lights down here in Florida where my Northern European genetics, it makes sense that I would have been ketogenic, but since I'm kind of down here in this unnatural setting and I'm getting UV light, you didn't recommend that I do keto. So kind of break that down for us. Right. So um, this is one of those things where as we read the light levels, if there's still a bunch of UV in the sunlight, then carbohydrate-based crops, fruits and berries and sugarcane can still grow when there's high UV. So in your environment, your eyes are reading like, hey, there's still a bunch of UV. 
carbs are not going to be super detrimental to your health as long as you're getting outdoors and getting sunlight. If you come indoors, all bets are off. I mean, everyone everyone's going to come indoors. It's just whether or not you're getting outside at appropriate times and blocking the right light at night. If you're not doing any of that, all bets are off. But if you're if you're getting outdoors, if you're tailoring your light environment at night, what what would you do in a, a southern environment or what I like to call an equatorial environment? You can eat more carbs and sugar. Now, um, do you have to be ketogenic in those areas? No. However, there is still a cycle. There's like a rainy season and a wet, uh, dry season. And then there's like a fruiting season and a non-fruiting season. So I do think like even in a southern climate or an equatorial climate, there are periods when you naturally would eat less carbs, not zero. So would ketogenic diet be beneficial? For some people with certain like dis-ease in their body or other um, issues, it's beneficial no matter where you live. But for a person that's pretty healthy, do you need to be ketogenic in the winter in an equatorial environment? I would say no. Um, but should you go through a period of eating less carbohydrates during a certain period of the year? Yes. And that's why I think cycling is good. Like you can eat more fats and protein and still have some carbs. They won't, they won't be a detriment. Um, where is in the, whenever your season where you have the most abundance of sugars and carbohydrates, that's when you should optimally consume them. Because what most people don't understand, this invisible light information that we're talking about, and we know it exists through Wi-Fi and cell phone signals, and you can turn on a radio in your bedroom and it receives a signal and plays music. That's an invisible signal with information. It's there all the time. That information is captured in the cells of the plant. And when you eat this, that plant, so let's say you eat an orange, your mitochondria read the information from that orange, and it tries to match the light information from the orange to the light information you see outdoors. And when there's a mismatch, I'm eating a banana in Wisconsin in February, it can't, sometimes there's a mismatch where the body's like, I'm eating this carb, it has all this light information, but there's no light that I'm seeing outside that would allow this to grow. It starts to, cre to create chaos in the body. So some people that have more uh, metabolic issues, even in a southern climate, should follow a period where you eat less carbohydrates during the year and a period where you would eat more. So I still think cyclical eating is appropriate, but ketogenic in an equatorial environment, I'm not certain that for most people that are healthy, you would even want to do that. Yeah, that made total sense when you said that. And it's like definitely depends on where you're at and what you're getting. And um, I'm glad you touched on that because a lot of people don't realize like eating locally, just in general, the light that's absorbed, you know, most local to you is going to be most beneficial to like your gut microbiome. And there's just actual information pertained and obtained through that plant or whatever food you're eating. So it's actually most beneficial to eat whatever's local in general. And I think in Florida, we have less crops um, in the summer just because it's just too hot, too rainy. So it's kind of like that's when you have the least amount of crops. So it's kind of like backwards. And then we have like better crops going throughout the year. But I think like that one farm I go to, they're like, oh, we can really grow in the summers like okra. It's like the only thing that'll survive. <laughs> Everything else is just getting downpoured on and it's brutally hot when it's not getting downpoured on. So I think it's definitely going to depend on where you're living at and what you're doing. So what else do people need to be doing in winter to kind of optimize? Because I, it seems like you're supposed to slow down, maybe less workouts, more yoga, um, you know, longer sleep hours. What else should we be doing to optimize our, our winter time? 
Yeah, there's a there's a, a couple things that can really make winter more beneficial for most people so that you gain health. And like most people are losing health over the winter. They hit January and they're like, oh my God, I need to do something. We call January the start of the new year. People have the New Year's resolutions. It lasts till about beginning of March and then they fall off the bandwagon till June. Um, we could talk about that some other time where the actual true start of the new year is, you know, spring equinox, which is end of March, um, not actually January. And that's when you have all the change, the power of the sun at your back to support any resolutions you make, not in January when everything's dead, at least in this climate. So anyway, um, there's lots of things that would be extremely helpful for most people in the winter. Number one, yes, slow down. So I say like winter's a time to come inside. That's the time when I do more spiritual work, more meditation, more inner work. And I really think that's like all of nature, like what happens to the trees in a northern climate? They take all their life. The lifeblood of the tree is the sap. And a tree that lives for multiple years, it, it lives through the winter by taking its life, its sap, and pulling it out of the tree itself and into its roots. It comes deep into the ground, underneath the ground, inside of itself. All of life does that. The, the squirrels are coming into their nests. The mice are going underground. So the bears are hibernating. It's a time to slow down. So should you be like crushing four CrossFit workouts a week and lifting as heavy as you were in the summer and fall? Personally, what we're seeing is you don't want to do that because most of the time in the winter, you're in a blue lit gym. So you're exposing more of your body, your thyroid, your skin cells, um, the blue light penetrates to like the blood vessels. You're exposing all that in the gym to high intensity blue lights. And then you're doing these massive workouts where our biology in the winter wants to be less active because there's like, there's no food to go gather and harvest in the winter besides, you know, animals and stored things. So yes, lighter workouts less often in the winter is what personally I advocate and what some of the research and the studies are showing. Next, the other things that we do in the winter is we're not outdoors as often. So we miss certain frequencies of light that our body needs, specifically red, infrared, and ultraviolet. We come indoors, we don't get any of those. So I love sauna in the winter. So like sauna is detoxification, it's heat, it's warmth, and it's also missing frequencies that our body isn't getting when we come indoors. These red and infrared frequencies are absent, but we absorb them from sauna, whether it's an infrared sauna, whether it's a sauna space sauna, or whether it's like a traditional wood-fired, you know, finished sauna. All of those provide massive benefit. And it is shown that men that sauna four times a week have 66% reduced risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, 50% reduction in cardiovascular events. That those numbers are huge four times a week. So to me, my goal is always sauna four times a week um, in the winter. We're also, because we're missing red, infrared, and, and ultraviolet frequencies, I like to use, you know, red light panels. So like these panels that produce high intensity red and infrared light that my body can absorb because I'm missing all those with all this blue light through the window and through the overhead lights and the screen. I want to absorb more red and infrared to mitigate the blue. So I do a lot of standing in front of a red light panel uh, all winter. And then there's some debate on whether us in a northern climate 
should be using like ultraviolet lights to get vitamin D. So you can use a vitamin D light. It's ultraviolet B. It helps your body produce vitamin D. We are very deficient in vitamin D in, in our northern climate here. So the majority of people, like 80% of people, have low vitamin D status all winter. So there's some debate whether in a northern climate you want more vitamin D or you want to replace the vitamin D with melatonin in a winter environment. Unfortunately, most of us don't have enough vitamin D and destroy our melatonin. So we have two strikes against us. Um, so I'm still on the fence of whether we should be getting a lot of vitamin D in the winter in a northern climate or upregulating melatonin instead. So I do a little bit of vitamin D light in the winter once a week, sometimes twice a week. Um, and then I go to bed earlier in the winter. So in the summer, I go to bed like 10 or 11. In the winter, I go to bed at like 7.30 or 8 sometimes, as late as 9, but rarely do I go to bed after 9 p.m. It is almost certainly between 8 and 8.30 p.m. when I'm sleeping in winter, and I'm getting more sleep. So I try to sleep nine hours a night in winter. I really try to set up my life to make that happen because everyone's like, I don't want to get cancer. I don't want to get heart disease. I don't want you know diabetes. But the thing that's been shown to stop that is more sleep at night and reducing your exposure to artificial light. And yet no one's willing to sleep more. So I am willing to sleep more. So I definitely get more sleep in winter. <clears throat> yeah, that makes total sense. I'm glad you touched on the vitamin D. That was one of my next questions because it's that I was in the no vitamin D camp for a while and the supplementation's bad. And I've kind of came back around full circle on that because I do think that um, with the overload of toxins and the way it kind of shuts down liver function, that vitamin D is actually critical. And as far as like uh, the hair tissue mineral analysis stuff, definitely uh, I've seen vitamin D help with some of the chronic infections that they're alleviating during those kind of protocols and just the, just affecting the mineral levels in general. So I think I maybe in paper and, you know, sometimes we read things and we extrapolate that out and we say, this is right and this is wrong. And then it's, it's more context than that really, because it's like, well, if a person has 20 different hidden chronic infections, yeah, probably getting some vitamin D is going to help as we try to detox all the heavy metals and get everything out of the system. And then maybe they can back off over time and just get sunlight. But, you you know, it's all context. Like, you know, if you're super healthy and you don't really need it, yeah, go for it. You don't really need supplementation. Maybe keep, you know, check your levels, see where they're at. There's also a new product. I don't know if you've heard of this. I just ordered some. Um, my buddy, Dr. Tyler Pansner, super big genetics guy, put me on this. Um, it's called D.Velop. So it's um, a new type of vitamin D where it's basically like when we're taking D3, our body has to convert it into um, calcifediol. And so the, the D.Velop is already the converted form, calcifediol. And he's seeing where um, he gives people like two tablets of this a day and he sees their blood levels go up to like 75 or 80. So that's crazy effective, way more like some people can take five, 10,000 IUs of, you know, D3, K2 and almost never see a spike. You know, some people see a really big spike and some people don't really see much change at all in their blood level. And this D.Velop stuff um, is supposed to be super critical. So I'm thinking about um, after I try it on myself, recommending that to my clients, just because a lot of people who are coming to the mineral balancing stuff are in such a burnt out state in general. I think they could probably, um, 
benefit by having higher vitamin D levels, at least for a period of time. And then after they balance out and they detox, maybe back off of that or see, maybe take one tablet or just see how they feel and maybe get some blood levels checked. But yeah, definitely looking at that D.Velop. I just ordered my first batch and my buddy, Dr. Tyler is, uh, he's big on genetics. So he gives everybody who has these genetic snips for vitamin D. He's, you know, always been giving them vitamin D and he's just night and day difference with this new product for sure. So, um, what else? Anything else we should be doing in winter? Kind of got through most of my notes here. Anything else you want to touch on about the book that you think people should um, pick it up for? I think for sure for people in uh, like those northern climates definitely should give it a read and kind of spark their interest and see if maybe they should do some diet variation. But is there anything that we left out that you want to touch on? Um, cold. So. Oh, yeah. Um, that was one of my questions. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> other thing is like we're we're at room temperature all year round and even in a northern climate in the winter you go from your house to your car to work to the gym to the store you're 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 not outdoors and in a cold environment for more than like most people more than a minute like people are 60 seconds or less outdoors feeling the cold in the winter in this environment and then they complain all winter that they're really cold even indoors when it's 72 degrees and it's like how how are you cold this is so hot well our bodies at least people of European ancestry. So if your ancestry is like equatorial, it's not as important that you you utilize cold. But if you are in European descent or your mitochondria from your mom's side, like 99% of our mitochondria come from our mom. So if your mom's ancestry is European, cold is beneficial to you in the winter and somewhat necessary. And we actually utilize cold to open ancient pathways inside our body that most people never open up. And these ancient pathways can help us live longer, detoxify, reduce inflammation, sleep better at night, and feel less cold all winter. So in the book, I kind of give a strategy like an A to B of how to cold adapt in a way that is not super uncomfortable. People are like, oh my God, I got to jump in a frozen lake and cut a hole. And that looks so uncomfortable. And it is. Um, it can be fun in a group, but most people aren't going to go out by themselves and cut a hole in a lake and sit in the water when it's five degrees below zero like it is today. But we walk them through in the book a sequence of cold adaptation that's really easy for just about anybody to follow in a northern environment so that you start cold adapting in the fall so by the time it's winter, your body is cold adapted and you're utilizing these ancient pathways. So what do the ancient pathways do? It basically takes norepinephrine. When you get cold, you have this cold um, reaction. Your body produces this compound. It's a neurotransmitter and a hormone called norepinephrine. And it opens these ancient pathways that most people never open because they don't get cold. Um, so if you get consistently cold, and I'm not talking about like all day, it's like a couple minutes most days a week, you get a little bit cold. That's it. You open up these pathways that change the mitochondria in the body from producing energy to producing heat. You're basically retraining the mitochondria and saying, when it's cold outside, I want you, mitochondria, to, to stop producing so much energy, which is, again, why we should work out less in the winter, um, and produce more heat to keep the body warmer. And how does it produce the heat? By burning fat. So that's why we could also be eating a ketogenic diet in the summer. That's why we're burning more of our body fat in the winter. So ketogenic diet in the winter, burning body fat by opening these ancient pathways. By burning fat in the winter, we're utilizing a more efficient process to make both energy and heat than glucose. 
and we can reverse some of the disease that we might have created over the summer. So getting cold in the winter is super critical, and we do walk you through in the book like a really simple method of cold adaptation called like our cold adaptation sequence. Yeah, that's awesome. I know everyone's into the cold plunges and I had one forever. Now I've moved into this condo with HOA and everything. And so I can't just have a freezer sitting outside of the, of the house, but maybe I'll um, come. I was debated putting one in the garage and then I'm like, I don't know, it's going to get everything wet when you're getting out. So I'm still kind of iffy on whether or not I'm going to do the cold plunge inside or not, but I used to just have it outside of my house forever at the last couple houses, but now I'm in this condo. So it's a little bit different, but yeah, man, I think that was great. I think uh, a lot of good information. You're a wealth of knowledge for sure. I know you wanted to plug um, your biohacking um, course and everything at that. Tell everybody where they can find you, Primal Hacker, find the um, uh, biohacking course you're trying to promote. Tell everything where to find you. Yeah. So we, we really did take like all of our knowledge and put it into this course and we have experts. So we have experts teaching tons of modules within the course where we're not the most expert. And that's what I think the benefit. It's like one of the most comprehensive courses on taking ownership over your own health that exists. And as of today, at least when we're recording January 2024, we've got two versions of the course. The basic version is 21 videos, seven days to biohacking. It's only $7. So it's like everyone can afford seven bucks. There's an upgraded version with all the expert teachings that's not much more money. You can find that at courses.primalhacker.com or just primalhacker.com. So our main website is primalhacker.com. You can find us on YouTube at Primal Hacker, on Instagram at Primal Hacker Official, and on Facebook at Primal Hacker. So that's where you find us. We put all of our energy into the courses.primalhacker.com, and we're just trying to get everyone in the world to take ownership of their own health um, and then find the resources that work for you. So like, you know, Matt here could be a resource within within the course and say like, Matt's the expert on uh, mineral analysis analysis. And like, here's what mineral analysis is. Here's why you would do it. And here's how to find Matt, who's the expert on it, not us. So that's what we hope to actually put into the course is like all these expert teachings and where to find them so that someone gets an overview of why they might want to do this modality, whether it's right for them and who to contact. So it's really a big resource for everyone to, to take ownership, to start building the board of directors of their health. Like stop having one medical doctor that tells you what to do, create a board of directors and you ask them questions based on what you need. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think you're a wealth of knowledge. You're right up my alley. You're uh, anti-government and anti, you're pro, pro-freedom, anti-government right up my alley. So I know I speak a lot about that within my um, social media and everything as well. So we'll have to jump back on here maybe one day and do a, do a pro-freedom podcast with you. That'd be fun. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. (laughs) Cool. Later on, brother. Stick around while I close out the show. You got it. If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about Combo, personalized one-on-one coaching with me, or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at IntegrativeMatt. Until next time, my friends.